We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. An infectious disease arrives in San Francisco and is immediately associated with residents of Chinatown. Scientists and public health officials try to stop the spread but stumble on politics. The administration denies the problem and white residents believe they are immune. A new PBS documentary, Plague at the Golden Gate, takes viewers back to the early 20th century when the bubonic plague, yes, the most feared disease of a whole millennium, hit San Francisco. Then we've got Luke Sai, KQED food editor on the best road trippable food stops. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. You know that line about how history may not repeat, but it rhymes? Well, the new PBS documentary Plague at the Golden Gate demonstrates that when it comes to the intersection of politics, race, and infectious disease, COVID-19 is just the latest edition of a long story for us here in San Francisco. San Francisco was not only the busiest port on the West Coast, but connected by rail to the rest of the country. It was terrifyingly well-placed to spread disease far and wide. To miss even a single diagnosis could be cataclysmic. The documentary tells the story of two pioneering doctors who, flawed though they both were, tried to stop bubonic plague from spreading to the rest of the country. And it shows how Chinatown's people fought the racist assumptions that both undermined the public health effort and threatened their community. Here to tell us that story, we're joined by two of the people who made Plague at the Golden Gate. Li Xin Yu is a documentary filmmaker, director, and producer of American Experience, Plague at the Golden Gate. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. We're also joined by James Q. Chan, the producer of the film. Thank you for joining us, James. Thank you, Alexis. Nice to be here. Yeah. Li Xin, for people who are unfamiliar with this story, Could you give us some of the background about what the film is really about and the historical period in which it takes place? Right. As the clip you just heard, you know, San Francisco at the turn of the century was this booming node of trade between uh, uh, the East Coast and Asia. And so it's this rising uh, economic might. So the... When the plague was first diagnosed, uh, the economic forces, political forces were in denial. Mm. And so we tell this story about the forces that push back against the science of plague being diagnosed and how they blame the community most affected. Uh, once again, 
the most vulnerable community, the community that's othered, uh, the Chinese community since the first case was diagnosed in Chinatown, and how the community being resilient, you know, fought back against it. So it's it's uh, at a time where this young science of bacteriology was just coming to uh, to the forefront, though not fully accepted or understood by most people, uh, even people in the medical community. So the story becomes sort of this part science mystery, part community resilience against racial um, scapegoating and blame, and the kind of political economic forces uh, that it swirls around it, along with the media jumping on the bandwagon of this, you know, mm -hmm. um, story about, whoa, the most feared disease in our midst. So there are a, a, a lot of complexity at play at the time. Yeah. Um, James Q. Chan, can you talk to me about the role that Chinatown played, both sort of within San Francisco just b before the plague, but then also once the bubonic plague was at least rumored to be in the city? Sure. Um, if we're looking at 19th century San Francisco, we can also go back to um, during the gold rush when health officials and politicians saw Chinatown pretty much as a laboratory of infectious diseases, right? Urban sickness, crime, poverty, and contamination. So when bubonic plague came, to San Francisco, ignorance, greed, anti-Asian racism, distrust in federal authority and science all came out to play. So we've definitely been down this road before. Yeah. Let's um, hear another cut on sort of how Chinese labor was initially exploited um, and, and then discarded and marginalized. Let's uh, hear another cut from your documentary. In 1900, anti-Chinese sentiment wasn't isolated. It was codified by federal law. The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 prohibited all Chinese from citizenship, essentially relegating them to the margins of society. The Chinese were already not seen as human before the Chinese Exclusion Act, which is why the act passed. The only time in our history that we specifically named an ethnicity to say they can't come to the United States, they don't belong. They're too different than us. The building of the Transcontinental Railroad required tons of hard labor, which Chinese workers had taken on. Once that final golden spike was driven, the welcome mat was withdrawn and the once essential Chinese workers were regarded as a surplus that would cut into demand for white labor. So the white labor movement was very hostile. Li Xin, you know, given this history, how did the white power establishment of San Francisco respond when the first prospective cases of bubonic plague surfaced in Chinatown? Well, their immediate response was, you know, quarantine Chinatown. With one case in one building, they decide to quarantine 
block of the entire 12 block district of Chinatown. And so as James was pointing out, the idea back then was, you know, Chinese were disease ridden, uh, disease carriers. And so the trust on both sides were um, deep rooted, mm -hmm. you know, as the clip indicated, uh, it was only 18 years ago in 1882 that Chinese Exclusion Act was passed. Mm -hmm. And that a period of about a decade thereafter was uh, the most violent period that the Chinese community up ac across the entire West Coast uh, experienced with pogroms, drive outs, uh, killings um, of the of Chinese community. And then the 1892 ratification of the Chinese Exclusion Act, it, you know, Chinese had to carry a photo ID hmm. uh, for fear of deportation. And so, and Honolulu was burnt down in mm -hmm. the January of 1900 because of of uh, a handful of cases. So there is this great fear already uh, embedded in the community. And so when the official reacted sort of over the top by quarantining Chinatown, it just kind of entrenched fears and distrust just blew open yeah. on both sides. We're talking about the new PBS documentary, Plague at the Golden Gate, about the arrival of the bubonic plague in San Francisco in the early 20th century. We're joined by Li Shen Yu, the documentary filmmaker who directed and produced American Experience, Plague at the Golden Gate, as well as James Q. Chan, who is a producer on American Experience, Plague at the Golden Gate. To watch the film, you can visit the American Experience page at pbs.org, or you can stream it through the PBS app. It is fascinating. We also want to hear from you. What questions do you have about the bubonic plague arriving in San Francisco? And how do you think that race, class, and income play into public responses to pandemics? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. There are also some really incredible family stories uh, of Chinese families in San Francisco surviving this era even thriving in it in, in some cases. Do you have those kinds of family stories? You can give us a call. Again, number 866-733-6786, or you can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. You know, James Chan, wanted to ask you, what made you want to work on this particular film, which began, as I understand it, before the COVID-19 pandemic? Yes, this this began when Center for Asian American Media, CAM, Stephen, Stephen Gong and, and Don Young put, my, put the team together, pretty much recommended Li Shin uh, to American Experience, recommended me to pair up with Li Shin. And I didn't know much about this history. I, I think that there's a lot of people out there as well in the community that when they hear about the bubonic plague outbreak, um, it, it, it's, it's a surprise. It's another footnote in history. 
from our community that that um, has been not talked about and discussed. So that part of it was incredibly exciting for me. Um, and then also diving into this, um, realizing that the common threads to today's pandemic, but also throughout U.S. history, that whenever there is this unknown disease that that appears, the first immediate response to, is to find a community to blame. Mm. And so you look at this and, and this film becomes this almost like this cautionary tale of what scapegoating a community can cause. And we've seen it in the in the last few years where it's the anti-Asian um, uh, violence that that has uh, affected our community, where it, it's you, you look at this where we're this trust building and well-applied scientific reasoning and innovation can advance society. But if you are unable to connect that information to the public, right, that is ultimately going to de delay a solution. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're going to get into, on the other side of the break, we're going to get into sort of the scientific mystery of this. Uh, I think for many people out there, you may be wondering, if bubonic plague arrived in San Francisco, how come it didn't wipe out? the city or, you know, even even the nation, one of the most feared diseases of all time. So we're going to get into those uh, characters who helped fight bubonic plague. And again, we'd like to hear from you. Do you have family stories from this era in San Francisco or specifically in, in Chinatown? And how do you think race and class play into public responses in pandemics? Numbers 866-733-6786. Again, we're joined by the director and producer of Plague at the Golden Gate, a new PBS documentary. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the new PBS documentary, Plague at the Golden Gate, about the arrival of the bubonic plague in San Francisco. We're joined by Lee Shin Yu, director and producer of, of Plague at the Golden Gate, as well as James Q. Chan, who was the producer on the film. Lee Shin, I wanted to ask you now about the Marine Hospital Service, which was sort of like playing the role of the CDC here uh, at this time. Can you tell me a little bit about the first guy who was kind of running point on responding to this threat, Joseph Kenyon? Yes. So uh, Joseph Kenyon uh, at that time was one of our most brilliant top scientists, uh, bacteriologists. You know, this is an era where germ theory is coming to play. 
great advances in science uh, and disease control had come about uh, in, in the mid to later part of the 19th century. So there was great hope and Kenyon was at the forefront and he was the first to come to try to prevent the threat uh, spread of the bubonic plague. But he is a man of science and met up with great resistance. You know, his science was refuted. He, newspaper called it plague fake. Mm -hmm. You know, those four letter words are pre pre pretty resonant with us today. Mm -hmm. um, and he just could not make the connection as James was referring uh, earlier on. He couldn't make that um, the science stick with the populace, with the politician, and with the uh, community. And so uh, people just um, could not uh, get uh, understand the information that he was trying to convey, that it is here, we have to act swiftly, or it could very well spread rapidly beyond San Francisco across the country. Um, so he uh, became a, as well a scapegoat mm. um, let's, in, uh, in the control. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's hear some of his uh, words. I also understand uh, having a little bit of trouble with the phones this morning, but we'll, uh, we'll get that worked out. Uh, let's hear a clip of Dr. Joseph Kenyon's words and kind of an example of misinformation about the bubonic plague in San Francisco. It appears to me that commercial interests of San Francisco are more dear to the inhabitants than the preservation of human life. I am at war with everybody out here. Joseph Kenyon. California's Governor Gage spun a fantastic conspiracy theory. He said that Dr. Kenyon and the federal doctors had actually created a fake plague by injecting corpses with plague bacteria that they had secretly imported, that it was all made up. And he planted the seed of doubt in people's mind. I mean, this is an incredible era of San Francisco history. We've heard about it on some past shows, including one with Richard White about Jane Stanford's murder, in which newspapers literally made up things, were, were bought off by various interests. And I know some people out there might be thinking, well, times haven't changed. But this was another level of making things up. James Q. Chan, as you thought about the information environment and the media environment, that Joseph Kenyon was working in. What, what were you thinking about the papers, which you use so incredibly effectively in this film? Yeah, you, you look at the all the archival material. I was talking to, to one of your producers um, earlier on about the archival materials that went into this. And it was such a challenging um, film to make one, uh, to make a film during a pandemic about a pandemic is, is uh, something to itself. Um, all the archival institutions were closed to us. Um, mm. The San Francisco Public Library, the History Center, they, they opened up their, their archives for us, which was incredible. 
Um, but you look at this, you look at all the newspaper headlines, you look at the photographs, and you, you see that there are flawed heroes. There, there's an untraceable villain. Many lives were on the line. And so the hunt for the plague in San Francisco played out really like a detective novel. Mm -hmm. So that was fascinating to me. But one person in particular that struck out, um, that, that became pivotal, was Wong Chung. Uh, he was the local interpreter that he and he played such a critical role in helping the health establishment build trust with the Chinatown community. And so he um, after Kenyon leaves, uh, Surgeon Rupert, I'm sorry, Rupert Blue, the the scientist that was um, tasked to eradicate plague after Kenyon left was um, the next person that that came into San Francisco and he immediately set up a lab in Chinatown. Um, he walked into shops alone, he talked to the residents, while Kenyon, on the other hand, had to walk into Chinatown with almost kind of like an army of, of um, police officers to protect him. Mm. Because you look at this, right, you look at the, the lens through how the two scientists saw Chinatown was that the Chinatown, the Chinese community fluctuates um, from the myth of being medical menaces, from gold rush era all the way through the bubonic plague when they arrived to San Francisco. So, mm -hmm. so Kenyon came in with these, these uh, ignorant ideas, but he was a brilliant scientist, absolutely brilliant scientist, but he couldn't make any of his ideas stick to the community. Yeah. Li Shin, um, in the documentary, one of the really excellent moves that you make, you use one of the Chinatown newspapers um, to, to great effect to kind of describe how the Chinese community was, was really responding to the, the threat both of the plague and of the white people's response to the plague. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit more about that, that paper and, and how it worked? Yes. Well, you know, as, as you know, we've been talking about the Western English language press was all sensationalism, you know, uh, demonizing the community and the Chinese. So uh, in Punchu, who is uh, bilingual, uh, started a newspaper called Chongsa Yapao Daily. It's one of the first daily newspaper and covered uh, the community's uh, response. Uh, he informed the community. He often carried the stories from the white paper and very much you know, spoke up for the community, uh, you know, informed them as to what the white authorities were, were intending to do, that they were intending to uh, enforce mandatory vaccination with a vaccine that was, you know, uh, experimental at best, you know, efficacy is 50%. Uh, had severe side effects, uh, and then informed the community that, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you are prevented to travel, exit Chinatown, and go to your place of employment. Um, and also that there were ideas floated to remove Chinatown residents onto a remote island um, off of uh, 
uh, on in the middle of the bay. So all of these, you, you know, the the community was informed by a community paper, and so the community was able to come together and resist yeah. and 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 fought uh, in two case, uh, legal cases all the way up to the circuit court. And they won against these unjust, unfair rulings. Um, so it, it played a huge role in the, as you know very well, Alexis, you know, media story informs the public. And so the Chongsa Yapao was able to clearly inform the community and allow them to act accordingly. It's it's a it's a really uh, inspiring aspect of this story. Remarkable. Yeah. 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 All the different people in Chinatown who were able to sort of serve as kind of cushions or or uh, forces to fight the legal battles or to translate between these two worlds. I mean, they they, they really come across in this film in a, in a, in a beautiful way. Um, James Q. Chan. You know, this project, as we've noted, started before COVID-19, introduced all sorts of, you know, production problems. I understand that. But did you expect to see so many parallels, you know, the racism, the misinformation, the different kinds of mistakes that public health officials made between this bubonic plague's arrival in 1900 and, you know, the arrival in in 2020 of COVID-19? Did I, did I um, anticipate it? No, it was, it was, that, that's the part that I absolutely love about filmmaking is is being able to dive into a subject um, with with full open heart and mind. And what we discovered was really chilling, mainly because um, you know not just not just smallpox and bubonic plague and and influenza, but also like throughout history, right? AIDS epidemic. There was the the targeting of the um, gay. LGBTQ community, um, all the way to COVID era, right? And so you look at that, it's not a surprise to me that, you know, when, when you, when racial scapegoating, when you racially, when you racially scapegoat a community from, from all these diseases in history, um, it real it results in hate crimes and assaults on innocent people. Mm-hmm. So the, dis- the diving into this research was an eye-opening experience um, because it makes me turn to the community and want to serve them even more through filmmaking. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
We have some uh, comments coming in from listeners. You know, one listener writes, It is so sad to see that the kind of stereotypes that have been used against the Chinese 100 years ago still follow Asian Americans today. Seems like we have not learned that much from history. Another listener writes, I think it's ironic how in some circles Asian medicine with its herbs, acupuncture, and wisdom is respected and revered, and yet we also have people who blame China for bringing disease, and that suspicion has fueled anti-Asian hate during the pandemic. You know, uh, Lishan, I wanted to ask you, you know, the the big story that plays out here, you know, the, the scientific mystery occurs inside of this larger economic system where basically the large commercial interests of the city are essentially set themselves against public health. How ultimately did that get resolved? First, they try and scapegoat the Chinese community, but the plague still starts to you know move around the city. So how did this ultimately get resolved? Right. The, you know, it, it was always understood sort of rats are some, somehow related to the bubonic plague. But people back then still didn't understand how how that occurs you know that's part of the mystery so there's there's this so there is this idea well rat must have something to do with it let's eradicate rats to try to contain the disease mm. and there was success in that but it was ultimately further studying and 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 you know, the study was taking place, you know, around the globe as well. And as information be- became uh, more known to the American scientists, it was understood that, in fact, the conveyor of the disease is the Rathley. Mm-hmm. And so then it became fully understood, okay, we need to work across community engaging every community to try to eradicate the rats who then we can stop the fleas from because once a rat is infected it dies then it seeks the next host the fleas do the next the fleas do yes and it could be a person rather than another rat that is nearby and you know, boom, then the person gets infected. And, and and part of this, you know, why in Chinatown? Well, partly because Chinatown is densely populated mm-hmm. and overcrowded because Chinese were not allowed to live anywhere else besides this constrained district. And slumlords, white slumlords did not upkeep um, mm-hmm. sanitation codes. So, you know, they they blamed the Chinese for being dirty. Well, you know, partly because landlords were not, you know, keeping the sewer, you know, running and fixed. And so it's, it's like this double-edged sword, you know. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, when the in infrastructure, sanitation infrastructure was fixed, then it was the, the, the bubonic plague was 
you know, uh, be- then began to gotten be contained. Yeah. Right, gotten under control. Yes. Oh, sorry. Oh, Hold sorry. on. Just sorry, Alex, I was going to add to that too. With with the second scientist, Rupert Blue, he revised Kenyon's harsh protocols of targeting people, and so um, Blue Blue went on this this public health campaign, and he he specifically focused on disinfecting only like specific houses, not entire neighborhoods. Quarantining, uh, quarantining immediate family members um, for the shortest time possible, and not in the entire district. Yeah. So you had two different uh, tactics. Public health approaches. Yeah. Let's um, let's try and get to a call. Get the phones working. Uh, Stuart in Oakland. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Stuart. I uh, have been following this, and from the perspective of the pandemic. I had studied California history and and knew about this. My great-grandparents lived through this. And as African-Americans, they experienced a lot of the same things. But this particular one with the Chinese community was, to me, in total shock, watching another person with a very large megaphone do it again. And that was President Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. He did it during the pandemic, and he created Asian hate. Yes. Playing back, if you look back in history, it's always someone with a megaphone that everybody's going to listen to who starts the lie, the misinformation, to AIDS, you know, all the way back. And this time it really made me angry because I was very embarrassed for my nation to see them do this again. That's my comment. I really want President Trump blamed for that. Thank you for that uh, perspective, Stuart. And uh, Lishan, uh, you know, in San Francisco, just with our last 30 seconds, I mean, that megaphone was basically the mayor, right? I mean, the mayor was trying to protect the commercial issues of the of the town. Right. You know, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, our, our highest politician, you know, think that if they just speak loud enough, often enough to spread misinformation, that that will become the truth. And as as we know and we experience now that 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 is not the case. And, you know, to understand the common mistake that we as a society has made through history, you know, when we confront this fears during a crisis, you know, that with that it's important for us to to know this history, then to understand the root causes are usually always political. We've been talking about the new PBS documentary, Plague at the Golden Gate. You can stream it through the PBS app. We've been joined by director and producer Lee Shin Yu and James Q. Chan, the producer of the film. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another segment ahead. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone? hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.